one final time in the series um, to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, and this is what it says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's just pray. Jesus, we thank you um, that when you set up the church, you set it up, um, even though it seemed like so frail and, um, and, and able to break in any moment, but God, that you, you breathe your spirit upon them and you gave them practices and disciplines that allowed the small little beginnings of this church to blossom and to be the way that it is today. And you also see how it is going to be in the coming years and in the future. And God, we want to, as a church, grab a hole and to be a part of that plan. And so God, I pray that you speak to us about how we are meant to be your church, how we are your people and your body, and that we will be living that out today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. Now, I want to talk today about setting up shop. That's the title. We are setting up shop. And um, I don't know if that is still necessarily the case today, uh, but when I was more of a young adult, um, there was this war going on between Apple and Android. Anyone remember the Android-Apple wars? That still sort of raged today, but ever since um, the passing of Steve Jobs, it definitely seems to have toned down a lot. But I remember growing up, and I was kind of like, what's the point of Apple? It's so much more expensive. Why would there be people that need all these Apple products, right? Anyone remember those days? And, and it possibly still kind of is uh, like that. And I remember um, uh, uh, when I came back to Perth uh, after finishing my national service and um, get this right, by that point I was about 23 um, and I had uh, dumb phones all the way through the army and so I was looking into what phones I would, I would need to get and um, uh, the cheap Asian that I was, I was looking for a phone that would be cheap um, and usable. I wasn't looking for the fancy new phone but at that point already there were all these people, oh you should get an Apple phone, you should get an iPhone, were even iPhones even a thing back then? I don't even know. I've lost track. Um, but I, I took ages to get onto the Apple bandwagon, um, and I did so because uh, at one point uh, in my music, I wanted to be able to do a whole lot more. And so people were saying, if you want to do music, uh, you really need to get yourself a Mac, because Mac just works well uh, with, uh, with all the music stuff, and you just need to get that, right? So, so I got onto that, and uh, after using Apple, I have never looked back. This is like a 15-year uh, love affair that can continues to today. But I want to ask you if anyone here has met an Apple uh, consumer um, that advertises Apple as though they were paid to do so. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
It was like, they, they will just tell you, you need to get Apple. Why? Because you do. Like, you do. And it's was like, how much did Apple pay? Nothing. But it's the best thing ever. I, I want to see if this is um, the way that you, th- you, you heard this, but Apple users that try to get you to get into uh, Apple, they have a few common lines. It's like they've gone to the Apple School of Marketing. And, um, and they will tell you, one of the first things they'll tell you is that like, Apple just works. Yeah. yeah? Anyone heard that one before? Apple just works. Why do you need to get Apple? Apple just works. <laughs> Some people laughing as they heard. I thought that was super common. But Apple users just say, Apple just works. The other one that I remember from back in the day is that Apple doesn't get viruses. Yeah? Anyone heard that one? Apple doesn't get viruses. I still stand by that. I don't think my Mac has any viruses and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and another one is that after a while when there was the MacBooks and then the tablets and then the phones and all of that, uh, Apple users started to say they just talk together like they're a family. It all just works together. They're all like friends. And it's just wonderful. The Android users, on the other hand, when you ask them, why should I go Android? They give you specs as though they are the ones that have produced these phones by themselves, right? And it's like, oh, you need to get, a, you need to get this um, a, a laptop because it's got like 15,000 RAM and it's got like a solid state hard drive. And so it's built like a brick. And I'm like, how is any of those things supposed to like enrich my life? But they will tell you those things as though those things are really important to you. Or you get to customize your phone. It's like, uh, yeah, and? And and they'll be like, oh, and this, you know, he has this much memory, and then it's got like 15 different cameras. And and I remember the camera wars. You know, when technology got into the camera, my phone has got two cameras, mine has three, mine has four. It's like, how many? But there are all these wars going on around all these products. And one of the amazing things about Apple is that it started like most of the tech companies in a garage. It was like a whole, like three nerds got together and they decided that they were going to start a company. And now it's one of the most valuable companies on the face of the planet. And one of the things about Apple that is really interesting is that they do not have many stores. If you want to get a Windows laptop, you can go to any computer shop. Uh, like back, in, like now is now is a bit different. But back in the day, if you want to go buy a laptop, you can go to any shop and you can get yourself uh, a Windows laptop. But you want to get yourself a Mac, you have to find specialized stores. Apple was hard to get. They were playing hard to get. They would never discount their products. They would never uh, uh, really do much to draw you in into the shops. But what they depended on was an extremely loyal fan base, a user base, that were free marketing. These guys, myself included, <laughs> loves Apple so much that we would talk about Apple. We, we were the shop fronts of Apple. Apple did not need to have 15 stores scattered around Perth. In fact, right now, I think in Perth, there's only two Apple stores. Just the two. And when you go to an Apple store, right, the experience has been cultivated. You don't go into an Apple store and you see pay here. In fact, if you want to pay for something in an Apple store, it's a bit weird. It's like you walk around like... Where, where do I pay for this product? And it's almost as if they're saying, like, the payment is the afterthought. <laughs> the experience is everything. Anyone know what I mean? And I don't know how they did this, but they hired nerds that know how to talk to people. 
you go into an Apple store, and these guys, like, they are tech heads, but they are sociable tech heads. Where did you find these guys from? It's like a, the, the, the training process of an Apple uh, employee is not so much, this is how this product works, it's more like, this is how you talk to people. I know you already love our product, but this is how you talk to people. This is how you engage in, I don't know if that's the case, but that's what it feels like when I walk inside. Oh, this is pleasant. This is actually okay. And they set up their shop with all of these banks and rows of laptops and tablets, and they say, have a play. And it's like, go, go for it. Like, touch our stuff. Whereas it feels like when you go into, like, a, another shop, if you go to, like, an office works, it's like, am I allowed to touch anything? I think things have changed because Apple changed the way that um, uh, the, the tech world has um, done its marketing and, and the way that things work. I remember like having to go to other kind of tech shops for, for stuff, and it's like, these guys talk down to you. It's like, you are now in my domain. It's like, you rule the world with your social skills, but in this shop, I am king because you need my expertise. And not in an Apple store. You just feel like, you're one of the family. And there were all these like meme-like, um, these, these laughing, laughing videos, satirical videos where, you know, this is a Mac person and there's always a t-shirt and jeans and they're always like happy and fun. And then the Mac person, uh, sorry, the, the, the Windows person will come up with like a, a, a suit jacket and they're all like, and then the Blackberry person will come up in his private helicopter um, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. But... Why I'm bringing this up is not to wage war on Apple and Android, even though you know where I stand. <laughs> but it's because there's something about how Apple has grown that makes me wonder about the church. It's almost as if there's been this shift that needs to take place. And I was sitting with a, a bunch of our, uh, our pastors and we were having this discussion and and a pastor who uh, is extremely um, experienced and, and has moved on from being a senior pastor to uh, helping out uh, with an organization that partners with churches and brings relief, aid, education in local churches. This is what he said. He said the last 30 years has been about the church polishing its shop front, making Sundays great. You know, we, 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 we polish the Sunday service. We pull all these wonderful instruments together, make music uh, are so much better than just having one organ that is played by an 85-year-old lady. We got rid of choirs because we know there's a whole bunch of people that can't sing, but they look good in, the, in that space. Like, no, 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 we, want act we actually want people that can sing and know how to uh, look energetic and alive on stage. And, and, and we get pastors that dress trendily and, and know how to tell stories. And we polish the Sunday experience and we say, get people here because this is where they're going to be saved. And this pastor was saying, we've done that for 30 years and the Sundays are still important. But what about the Mondays to the Saturdays? Where's the shop to find Jesus on the Mondays to the Saturdays? See, when we read this passage, Luke gives us a list of what 
God was doing in the early church, or what the early church was doing in partnership with God. And we read about their devotion to the teaching, to the prayers, to the fellowship, and, 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 and how they uh, really feared God, and all of these amazing things were breaking out of church, and they had this unusual, uncommon, radical generosity. And then at a very final line, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, Luke understood that the church wasn't existing for those who already were part of the church. But rather the church existed because there needed to be growth. God was wanting a growing church. The early church was a growing church and the modern church should also be a growing church. And a modern church over the last 30 years, we have polished the Sundays and we are saying this is where people get saved but we need to relook at this because it says, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. But if you're a little bit like me, me speaking about Jesus on a Sunday morning is easy. Most of you love Jesus, and is like I know that you're here to hear. You're here to hear about Jesus. You're not here to throw stones at me for my belief in Jesus. However, if you ask me to stand um, in front of our, our building on a Tuesday morning and start speaking about Jesus to whoever is coming to this building, and it's a whole different proposition. We've created a space where being Christian is awesome and cool, but then we might not have created spaces where outside of the Sunday being Christian is awesome and cool. So how are we to emulate? How are we to live in a way that we can live out the experience of the early church where the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved? Are we all meant to be like carrying the end of the world is here kind of placards and walking around and hoping that someone will talk to us? Are we supposed to just simply be inviting people to church events, official church events? How is this supposed to work? And this is not something that I'm necessarily very comfortable about. And so I want to dive into this uh, final thing, this final list item for the early church, because I think that there's something here for us to catch. And the first thing that I want to point out is that um, the Greek language for this phrase for this sentence is quite interesting and the lord added to the number day by day who are those who were being saved the first thing is that the word lord doesn't actually necessarily specifically talk only about our god in fact the word was a greek word that was used for master it was a word that was used for any person who was in authority and was powerful and able to make decisions so when we read this lord we need to know which Lord we're talking about. We're not talking about loving, gentle, meek Jesus. We're not talking about a Jesus um, uh, uh, who, who, who sacrificed and submitted himself to the point of death. We're talking about sovereign, powerful, decision-making God. This is Master, Master God, added to the number day by day those who were being saved. However, there's another little thing that our translation doesn't help us to see, and that is the word number is um, a really weird translation because the original text says the master put to himself day by day those who were being saved. God didn't add to the church, he added to himself. 
When we understand that possibly the early church understood that they were just simply the body of Christ, being added to the church was being added to Christ. But I think that's something that we lose today when we talk about the church because we sometimes, oftentimes, many times see the church as separate from God. But in those days, what they saw was that the Lord was adding to himself. The master was adding to himself day by day those who were being saved. I find this extremely encouraging. Why? Because God is more interested in a growing church than I am. God is more interested in seeing people saved and added to himself than I am. He is also the most powerful being on the face of the planet who is able to do that addition where I am unable to. This is God who is doing the adding. And so when I think about my loved ones, my friends, and the people that I'm connected to that I know need Christ, sometimes I get a little bit dismayed because I'm not sure I have what it takes to see them be saved. When really... The Bible doesn't say you need to go around and save people, but rather that God is the one that is doing the adding. Let's read 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 8. This is what it says. Uh, This is what Paul was writing. What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. But what Paul was trying to say is that people were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. But he's saying, guys, we follow Christ. We are simply working with Christ, and Christ is the one that is bringing the growth. If you want to be part of a movement that is exciting, don't follow someone, follow Christ. We are not being added to a church. We are being added to the body. The body of Christ. That's what is going on here. And God is the one that is making things grow. So what we need to have as a perspective is not that we are the ones that need to go around saving people. That's not your job. You can't do it. You will fail many times and get frustrated many times that you are ineffective at doing the thing that you were never meant to do. You are not the tool by which the whole thing comes together. You're simply a tool by which comes together with a whole bunch of things that God orchestrates, that God wills in bringing about a change in a person's life. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is my part? It's not, how many people am I saving, but what is my part? Paul makes this really clear that there is a part for each of us to play. And in fact, one of the words that I've learned recently uh, that Paul used, Paul actually says in another letter, and I don't have a reference for you, but he says, um, he he references Timothy. He says, Timothy, who is a co-worker with God. I love that. You know, we are not working for God as much as we are working with God. My role is not to simply be doing something that is completely disconnected from what God is doing. 
Rather, my role is to actually be finding out what God is doing and to yoke myself with Him and through that, see the fruit of labor. That is what is meant to be happening. We are co-workers with God. I want that to sink in. Think about that. We are co-workers with God. And God's intention is to add to himself. I think that brings me to a place where I'm like, considering a bit more, hang on, what is God wanting to do? Because if I'm just simply co-working with God, and God intends to be, and God is working on something, He intends something to happen, if I'm working with Him, the results will naturally follow. But when God is doing something, and I'm like, but we need to do this, and God's not working on that, nothing happens. And we get frustrated. And we go, God, why aren't you doing this? And it's like, well, I'm doing this. So, like, but why, why, why are we doing this? Why aren't you doing this? You see, we are co-workers with God, but this is God that we're talking about. This is the master that we're talking about. He's just being a bit nice to say that you're a co-worker. He really is boss. So what's boss God doing? We know that in a big picture that he is adding to himself. But as I work with him, I need to know what is my part. Paul said, I planted the seeds, Apollos is watering, and God brings the growth. There's these division. So what is my part? What is my part to play? And this is where the Apple stuff really came, into, um, came to play for me as I was thinking about this. You see, when it says that, and the Lord added to their number day by day, the, word day, the, the phrase day by day was actually a repeat of a phrase just before that. So if you can throw up Neb's Acts 2, 42 to 47, you will see in verse 46, Luke already writes, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. See, I don't think that this was not connected. I don't think Luke was trying to separate these two thoughts. In fact, I think he was using these words to bring the thoughts together. The day by day of the Lord was working with the day by day of the people. Let me say that again. The day by day of what God was doing was in alignment with the day by day of what the church was doing. What was the church doing? Remember, I said last week that verse 46 and a bit of 47, I feel like Luke was trying to summarize what he was saying the early church was doing. They were meeting together. They were learning. They were growing. They were uh, experiencing a move of God like never before. They were, they were generous with one another. They were giving to one another. They were devoted to their life with Christ. And as they were devoted to their life with Christ every single day, God was also adding to their number every single day. What was going on? I think this is what was going on. The church had a shop front that was open every single day. Who was the shop front of the church? These guys did not have a church building. They didn't have a lift church. 
They didn't have an early church. They did not have a church. They weren't even called the church. But they were a group of people that so believed in God and the things of God that they wanted to gather together and they wanted to live for Christ in every way that they could. Remember when Peter was teaching to these converts, these fresh new converts about the life that they were meant to live from now on, he says, repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to change your mind, to have a complete turnaround. These people used to live in one way and now they were completely given to living according to God's way. And accordingly, as they lived day by day, according to the plans and the patterns of God, people encountered them. And they came to them and they started to say, you're different. Aren't you that Greek-speaking Jew from all the way up there? Yes. What are you doing here? Why did you give up your job? Why did you do all those things? Why are you still here? Oh, because I met Jesus. And I can't shake it. I can't go back there. There's something that's going on in my life here. I said, oh, can you tell me more? See, I'm wondering whether there's a problem with Christians today. Especially in the Western world. Because I think that today we are so quick to talk about who I am and what I do, rather than about the faith that is most central to me. See, I am Nate, but maybe first and foremost, I am Christian. I'm a pastor, but that's secondary to me being Christian. You might be a tradesperson, but you are Christian. You're a Christian tradesperson. You're a Christian business person. You're a Christian doctor. You're a Christian engineer. You're a Christian mom. You're a Christian whatever it is. And I hope that one day we will be able to live in a space where we don't need to let people know who we truly are. But I wonder how many of us have already done that. And we hide behind the fact that I'm a Christian when it's safe for me to be Christian. I love Apple products when I go to the Apple store. But I also still love Apple products when I leave the Apple store. I know that when I'm in the Apple store, talking about Apple products, I'm around a bunch of people that love talking about Apple products. But somehow, when I'm outside the store and someone is talking to me about tech stuff, I talk about Apple. Why? Maybe it's because I have used Apple products and they work for me. And I'm happy to share that. So, I'm happy to be Christian in church because I'm around a bunch of people that love Christ. And we can talk about God and it's a safe place. But when other people, when I leave the church and other people talk to me about where do I have, like, like what, what, what's the center of your life? What, what's your life about? What's your philosophy? What's your values? How do you think about things? Uh, what do you think about that latest situation? What do you do on the weekend? Have we used Christ enough that I want to share about Christ? 
have I understood how much Christ has changed my life so much so that when I leave church, I actually still want to talk about him? Is my storefront open? Or do I point people to the Apple store? Do I point people, you need to go there to hear about Christ? See, part of the problem about the day-by-day stuff is that sometimes I think we need to understand and know exactly how all of those things work. Android users. Tell you, oh, this has this much RAM and this screen is about uh, uh, 15.9567 inches and has, uh, uh, the, 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 the cameras have got uh, a million mega uh, uh, pixels and, and you can uh, uh, get all sorts of apps because the app store has 5,965 different apps and, and, and let me show you how much I know about all of these different apps and we feel like we need to explain every single part of the tech that we use, but really, Apple users don't. They really don't. It's, it just works. What if Christians were a bit more like that? It's like, what do you mean Jesus saved you? He saved me. How does it work? Oh, I've got some ideas, and I can try to explain it to you, but you know what? I was once in sin, and now I'm not. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I know that because I have lived in it and it has changed my life. If we came back to that place of saying we have used, we have lived, and we have experienced, and we have gone, wow, maybe that's enough. Maybe we don't need to be able to teach like the apostles in our everyday there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's important to come back and go, let me learn, let me, let me grow in my faith, let me grow in my understanding, let me grow in my walk with God. That's important. But what about the day by day? What if God was adding someone to his body but was looking for someone on a Tuesday who he could bring this person in contact with? But we were saying, I'm closed. I'm not ready to talk to people about Christ because I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. What if God wanted to grow this church more, but there weren't enough of us living in the day by day, having our shop fronts open, willing to share about Christ? What if we took every opportunity to talk about Christ and about the church, not in a shove-down-your-throat kind of a way, but you know what? I know so many people in the world that shoves their thinking and philosophy down my throat. So what if I just lived according to my faith? What if I just talked according to what I know is real? What if I wanted to share the hope that is real, that I have encountered, not in a pushy way, but just in a real way, this is me. Our world is so shifted that being Christian is no longer seen by the majority as cool and good and well. But you know what? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe because Christianity has an image problem. And we need to consider, how am I living like a Christian? It's time to stop 
people saying that they're Christians when they're really not living like Christians? What do Christians look like? Well, they are devoted to the teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They have been encountering the awe and the fear of God. They have seen and experienced that God moves in powerful ways, and they are extremely generous. That's a great way to start, people. What if we were extremely generous with all people that we came in contact with? Why are you so generous? Why do you hate money? I don't hate money. I just love Jesus. See, I believe that our church is not big enough. Not because I want a big church, but because I believe that God is in the business of adding to himself day by day. And I just want to be part of that wave, man. I just want to be part of what God is doing in our community. So let's start opening our shop fronts. Let's start being ready to talk about Christ. Tomorrow when your co-worker says, so what did you do on a weekend? Oh, I met with Jesus. I worshipped him. Whatever you feel that you can share that is genuine and real, do it. But why do, this is not meant to be a secret, guys. This is not meant to be that, oh yeah, I don't want people to know I'm in a cult. Well, shut up, you're not in one. I don't want people to look down on me. If they look down on you because you're a Christian, Jesus says you are blessed. So you'd rather be blessed in the eyes of the world and be cursed by Jesus? Let me read this to you. This is true stuff. Luke 9, 23, 26. And he said to all... Let me clarify. Jesus doesn't curse you, but read this. <laughs> Sorry, I got passionate there. Jesus, I wasn't meaning to put words in your mouth, but this is what he said. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Who, for whoever would save his life will lose it, and, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. The Son of Man will be ashamed of those who are ashamed of him. He doesn't want to be associated with people who never wanted to be associated with him. If you only want to associate with Jesus once out of seven days, maybe Jesus will only associate with you once out of seven days. If you're living in a way that's like, hang on, it's something that is not quite how Nate talks about on a Sunday morning or how Beck talks about on a Sunday morning or what I think about on a Sunday morning, maybe it's because you're not a Christian on Mondays to Saturdays. Maybe it's because on Monday you switch into a different title. I'm a Christian on Sundays, but on Mondays I claim myself back. What stupid thoughts. What an idiotic way of thinking, but we all do it, I do it. Like seriously, it's like, hang on. If I've encountered the love of Christ, if I encountered what God has done, It should be worth giving him everything, not just my Sundays. Let our lives 
our Mondays to Sundays, 24-7, be an invitation to others into the adventures of following Christ. Let me put another question to you. Maybe this will help you think about this. If the whole world lived like you do as a Christian, would the world be a better place? He just was put forward to another pastor who shared this with me, and I was like, I, I looked at my life, and I went, no, no, I, I don't think so. I'm not generous enough. I'm not caring enough. I'm not loving enough. I need more of Christ in me, and I need to live that out more. Because if Christ really is the hope of the world, He has delegated us to live like Him. How do we get the day-by-day additions? It's because when they see what you're doing, they go, wow, there's something there. One last question. If God wanted someone to find Him on a Monday, would He be able to bring them to you? If God has someone that He loves so much, that he wants to add to himself, will there be anyone that he can bring him to? If God wanted, let's personalize this, if God wanted to add someone to him on a Tuesday, would he be able to bring them to me? Would he be able to bring them to me? Would my storefront be open? Not today, God. Church is running on Sundays. Get them there. That's where they're going to find faith and life. So not you on Tuesday. Not you on Wednesday. And I don't speak this message as a condemnation to anyone. I don't say this out of frustration about where our church... This, this is not it. This is about me having done the work, reading the scripture, and, and this is about me. Am I as bold to talk about Jesus on a Tuesday as I am on a Sunday? Right now? Probably not. But God, help me. Help me. We can get the band up. Just take this moment, church, and start thinking. Is your shop front open? If God wanted to add someone to himself this week, how are you keeping your shop front open? God's the one that's doing the adding. And he's called us to be his co-workers. My duty is not to do the saving, that's God's work. My work is not to do the growing, that's God's work. But he still invites me along to be his co-worker. If there's anything in you that's asking, well, what's in it for me? And perhaps the issue is not so much that you don't know how to be having an open shop front, but maybe it's because you just haven't encountered God. Maybe not for a while. If God's not the greatest thing in your life, then He's nothing. 
If God's not the greatest thing in your life, then you haven't encountered God. If God's not the most prominent priority in your life, then something along, somewhere along the line, you've lost it. The early church encountered the Holy Spirit, heard this teaching of an uneducated fisherman who was saying, you killed Christ. And they said, what do I need to do? And he said, repent. And they did. And they gave up so much stuff in order to be a part of the community. What if we look like that? What if we had Christians that live like that? What if in this Western world, we're not living according to Western principles, but according to biblical principles about how we use our time, how we use our finances, how we relate to each other, how we share, how we are devoted to the things of God. Because if we will, we get to catch the wave of what God is doing as He adds to Himself day by day. And as we live for Him day by day, things are going to start to happen. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. I want to pray for us as a church. But then from there, what I'm sensing to do this morning is that I want to pray for people, one, who are in a place where you go, you know what, I don't have that desire for God. I need a fresh encounter. I need a fresh touch. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Because there's nothing greater than having had an encounter with God and to live truly and fully for Him. Someone told us this story the other day of how someone was massively touched by God in such a powerful way that it literally felt like there was a burn on his chest for seven days. (laughs) Because God had touched him in such a powerful way that he couldn't shake it. If if that's you, you're going like, man, I want to encounter God in a fresh and a new way. And great, come on forward. Say, God, I'm going to take these steps. But I also want to pray for people that are saying, I want to have my storefront open. I want to have my shop front open. I want people, I want God to be able to trust me. I want to be doing that. Come on, let's pray for those opportunities. Let's get bold in how we talk about Christ together. Let's be uh, stirred up about how God wants this for His body. And so Jesus, I pray that you stir on people's hearts. Whatever words were from me, let it fall to the ground. But if it's from you, God, I pray that it burns, it burns, it burns, it burns in our heart. That we cannot shake what you are wanting to do and what you are desiring in our lives. God, I pray even right now, let there be repentance. Let there be a turning away from the things of the world and an orienting of our lives towards you. An alignment in our hearts towards what you are wanting to do. I pray that God, that our church will be a part of this wave of how you are wanting to add, how you are wanting to add to yourself day by day. I pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome, church. You can stand. You can. um, That's the end of our gathering. If you're wanting to be prayed for, Cool, come on forward.
I sense as well that, you know, if you're not so much feeling what I was saying to come forward, but you're still kind of wanting to catch hold or grab someone next to you and pray with them. Because I think God wants to do something significant in the coming days and in the coming weeks. So thank you so much, church. We'll meet you in the foyer. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.